apologies, I'm like slightly a bit hungover as well. I don't know if my um. It'll be even better then. I don't know if I sound like more sexy when I'm hungover. I don't know. I feel like my voice like is more like raspy. You sound great. Because in my head, it sounds like quite like deeper than what I normally sound. Yeah, you do sound bad, very whitish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I like that, you know. <laughs> Hello and welcome to another episode of The Third Bureau. I'm one of your hosts, Hamish. And I'm your other host, Aaron. And today we're joined by a call out from Priya's episode called RJ. Would you like to introduce yourself a little? Hey guys, what's happening? I'm RJ, radio presenter from Croydon FM, also part of the BBC Asian Network, represents. So yeah, big up to you guys. That, that was a good intro. Normally everyone's like, <laughs> normally everyone's like oh, how do, I, how do I intro myself? Like, what do I say? The, Are you barring yeah, the other 90 guests? Say no more. Hey, listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, honestly, I am, man. <laughs> we've, we, we've hit a new level now. Come on, guys. Yeah, no, <laughs> 91st episode, man. Do you know what it is? It's like, I always try and hit it on a neutral level and then build it up, if that makes sense. Sometimes right. when you start high energy, it either becomes exhausting for you to continue that energy or it goes down. Do you get me? Whereas if you start low and then work up, it can like, I don't know. That's what I found. Yeah. No, there, there probably is, there is probably something in that actually. But yeah, cool. In the, in the intros, I was sorry. I was, I was kind of like taken aback a bit by the, by the actual, like actual intro itself. Yeah. You mentioned that you're a presenter. Yeah, that's right. So basically I'm a radio presenter on Croydon FM, which is like a local radio station. Absolutely doing amazing things at the moment. And I am a part of the BBC Asian Network, what they call Represents program. So okay. starting from January, so the program's already started where they're basically in 12 months, they've got 12 different presenters taking over and they're going to do like one show a week. And I am luckily super blessed to be a part of that. So in January, I'll be hosting my own radio show on BBC Asian Network. Oh, wicked. January 2022. Yes. Wicked. Do you know, do you know what the show is yet? Oh, is that, is that secret? Is that secret? It is. Okay, but basically that. it's going to be a lot of what I already do. So on top of playing, like I love music, but mm-hmm. I'm not a DJ, if that makes sense. So I love like embracing music, playing music and all of that. But at the same time, for me, it's also about um, conversations. So yeah, I just want to have like fun, interesting conversations with people and like, I'm going to throw a lot more in, but a lot of it's like, you know, top, top secrets. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah we'll, keep, we'll keep it hush-hush. <laughs> so then what are you doing like at the moment? So at the moment, I'm still working on a few creative things. I'm working, I'm in the process of setting up my own kind of, similar to you guys, my own kind of podcast situation. And I'm also... I'm constantly looking for like ideas and stuff like that. But the main thing I am doing at the moment is I'm doing Croydon FM. And yeah, like on the, in the background, I also like help people with creative strategies and stuff like that. And I also go to like schools and give talks. Yeah. I feel like I do a hundred things, <laughs> but when people are like, oh, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, yeah, I just do this one thing. And then all of a sudden, half, you know, five minutes down the line, they're like, oh, I never knew you did this. I never knew you did this. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I just do. I just do my things, man. Literally. Croydon FM. That's, that's, that's cool. We, we had a guest on a, a good friend of ours, like near the beginning from Croydon. Oh, sick. And I think we give her, I don't, I don't feel like I do, but I know we like is in the group, we kind of give her a lot of shit for Croydon. Oh, everyone gives Croydon shit from there. <laughs> like a, like a, I, I don't actually, fam. I don't, I don't actually, I can't remember giving Croydon shit. 
So basically, I'll be honest with you. When I was growing up, I want to sound like an old man now, like back in my day, yeah. <laughs> but when I was growing up, yeah, Croydon was so amazing, yeah. Right now, it's not the best area, but I'm always, it's always going to be like home, home for yeah, me. Yeah, I know so you mean. So I'm know always going to rep it. And yeah, weirdly, though, I wasn't actually born in Croydon, which a lot of people don't know. People just assume I'm born in Croydon. But Where were you born? I was born in Bolton. Bolton? Yeah. That's like, yeah, quite north, isn't it? Like, like near Manchester area? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Okay, when did you like move? I was quite young, so I was about six years old. So what happened is that my dad, well, both my parents used to work. And my dad was like an engineer and he used to work in all of these factories. Um, so a lot of people will know that um, up in like Manchester, Bolton, Preston, there used to be loads of factories that used to like produce all these different products. But then as things were going over to China, like slowly everything was moving over to China because naturally it's cheaper. What happened is that my dad was transitioning from job to job to job. And it just, you know, like, obviously it's fine when you're young, but when you've got wife and kids and all of that, you need a bit more structure. So mm-hmm. we moved from Bolton to London. And at the time, I remember like it wasn't easy at all because obviously, you know, living costs are quite different. Yeah. But even little things like for me, like I've never spoke about this, but for me, I had quite a thick, like I used to speak like American. And, you know, like when you're a little kid and you go into school and they're like, why do you talk funny? <laughs> and yeah. Wait, are we talking about Amir Khan, the Bollywood actor or Amir Khan, no, the, the boxer. boxer? Yeah. So, you know, his accent's quite like, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So that's how I used to speak. And then, you know, like when you're in school, kids are like, but that's not how the rest of us sound. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Yeah. I can't imagine like Bolton being very diverse either. No. Do you know what? Or was it? Actually, when I... When I grew up, it wasn't, but now it is very. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But also, do you know what it is? It was a, a very, very friendly, like, it's like, you know, anywhere out of London, and I, I love London, like London's my heart and soul, yeah, but anywhere out of London, you will find, it's like, you know, when you're walking down the street, it's like people will be like, oh, good morning. And hmm. whereas in London, I've if someone that. says it to you, whereas yeah, when, in London, this, yeah. yeah, when someone says good morning, you're like, what are you after? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so that was like around, well, you said six, six years old. Yeah. yeah. Are you going to make me reveal my age? No, no, you don't have to. Unless you, you can freely <laughs> reveal if you want, but you, you, you don't have to. I'm no, actually curious now, but... <laughs> no, no, it's cool. Um, I was born in 1990, so I'm 31. So 1996, easy maths for you guys. So then you're six years old and then getting into like media. So actually kind of Manchester in the North's kind of like, Manchester especially, it's kind of grown for like media work i know like a lot of television studios are there aren't they yeah so um to be honest with you i mean this obviously i was six years old so this is different times but now so bbc used to have their building in uh white city and a lot of that moved to manchester so in manchester there's this place called media city and the majority of bbc has gone there but I think it's also other brands have also gone there. Yeah. So yeah, Manchester's kind of really taken on Yeah. Um, a lot of the media stuff. So then when was like your kind of first inclinations of getting into like a creative kind of field and media? Or were there other kind of possibilities growing up? Were you thinking other like avenues or is it kind of 
was the first thing. Actually, there's a very funny story. Uh, growing up, you won't believe this. So, you know, like everybody growing up, they're like, yeah, I want to be a footballer. Like, yeah. I want to be like, my best friend was like, I want to be a stuntman. Like his whole life since we were like five years old. He's like, he wanted to be a stuntman in movies. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he's like, yeah, I want to be a stuntman. I want to be a stuntman. And when people turn around and ask me, I was always like, I want to be a lawyer. And people are like, oh, that's so boring, bro. Like, why do you <laughs> want to be a lawyer? Like, I want to, people, like, I remember girls saying, I want to be on TV. Like, I want to be a pop star. And I was like, no, nah, but I want to be a lawyer. Like, you know, and that was just in my head since I was like, I don't know, like six, seven years old. And then literally, I'm not even kidding. My high school, so basically I didn't go to a good high school at all. And it resulted in me getting some awful, awful GCSEs. And do you know what? I think, I mean, this is quite a big statement to make, but it was one of the lowest moments in my life. Because the thing, but also I think a big thing to say is it was the biggest awakening in my life as well. Because I think, I mean, I'm probably being a bit too hard on myself, but until I got those bad GCSEs, I always kind of like just scraped my life. (laughs) You just always like skim by and then, you know. And I think what happened is, when I got to about year 10, I could feel myself, you know, like obviously do all your GCSE preps in like year 10. And I could feel like this isn't going in the right direction that I wanted to go. So what I did is I like actually got a tutor. And so every week I used to have a tutor come to my house and we spent bare money on tutoring, like a lot of money on tutoring. And, you know, like my family, like we're blessed, you know, we're good, yeah, but we're not like super rich at the same time, do you get me? So we spent a lot of money on tutoring. And I remember when I picked up my GCSEs, like the most guiltiest part I felt about wasn't even the fact that mm-hmm. I got the bad results, is the fact that my family spent all of this money on tutoring and I still got the bad results. And I remember picking up my results, and my dad was waiting outside for me, and it was so mad because I got it and I opened it and it was so bad. And I remember he was like ringing me, ringing me like, where are you? Where are you? Like, it's been like half an hour. Like you were supposed to walk in and walk out. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I remember being like, but I didn't even have the guts. Like I didn't even, literally, this is going to sound so silly. I wanted to run away like in that moment. No, no, I, I get you. I get you. And I think when that moment happened, that was it. Like I was like, do you know what? Like I need to fix up everything in my life so were you still thinking like lawyer at that point no well at that point it was written off to yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like before it like before you got the results was it like no i think what happened is that so the lawyer bit it seemed more and more difficult hmm. and then what happened is that i actually got an opportunity to do media as a gcse and it was so crazy because every time i had to do every other subject there was two subjects i absolutely loved maths and media i absolutely love that's a funny combo yeah i know i'm indian isn't it (laughs) (laughs) even now like you won't believe it i know people that have been to like a uni and done pure maths but when it comes to crunching numbers yeah believe me like i'll crunch numbers in like five (laughs) ten minutes only because i'm super stingy and indian isn't it i'm in my head i'm imagining uh do you ever watch everybody hates chris 
yeah, yeah. And literally, the, the, the I'm the Terry dad. Crews, I'm the dad, really like, just counting money as like it's uh, <laughs> yeah, people are eating food and stuff. Yeah, I'm like that's four pound twenty five worth of paneer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so the, what, like the media, so the media GCSE, where you're like, okay, this is pretty cool. I did the media GCSE, and do you know the thing with the media GCSE? It never seemed like work. Like you know, every other subject, you're like, oh man, I've got to do work. I've got to sit down. I've got to put effort. I've got to put energy into this. But when I did media GCSE, it was just like it felt effortless, and I had fun doing it, and. I remember, so what basically ended up happening is I then ended up going to college and doing media at a BTEC. So this is another thing that I've never really openly told anyone. But So I ended up doing BTEC and I remember struggling to pick whether I wanted to do business or whether to do media. And in the end, actually, I remember having this conversation. It was actually my dad, yeah, I turned around and he's like, well, if you find this easy and you enjoy it, then just naturally pick that path. That's really nice. And so, yeah. And especially like, you know, coming from a brown this year home and like all of those things. And so I remember doing media and when I went into college, one of the first things we ever did was we had to make a radio advert. And this is like such a crazy story, but I remember just stepping into a radio studio and it sounds mad, but I had a bit of an epiphany. And this, I was literally like, this is it. Like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. Yeah. And it sounds crazy, but I've kind of, I've had ups and downs, but I've kind of never looked back because I was like, I just had this such like glowing rush of feelings. And I was just like, this is what I want to do with the rest of my life. And you can kind of say the rest is history, but there's a lot in between <laughs> as well. <laughs> I think what it came down to is just the fact that to me, it felt effortless for me doing it. And I got the best results in it. So I was like, in my head, it just makes sense because I'm not finding it hard work. I mean, it is hard work, but it's like, it's not like someone saying to me, like, oh, can you write 4,000 words about, you know, yeah. the evolution of headphones? Like, <laughs> you know, you, did you get me? So it was easier for me to do it, but, and I was getting amazing results. So naturally I was like, well, why not just do something that you enjoy? And even till today, like I meet so many people who turn around and they're like, oh yeah, like I've got this and I've got this, I've got a house, I've got a car. And I'm like, but I always turn around to people and I'm like, but are you happy? Yeah. And a lot of people, they struggle to answer that because, and even recently, like I was talking to two of my best friends. They work in like, they work in the corporate sector in finance. And the other day we were talking about like retirement plans and they're like, yeah, we can't wait to retire. Like, you know, they've got properties and like, they're doing really, really well in life. And as a creative, you don't always have those opportunities. Very rarely do you have like, but ultimately what it comes down to is they were like saying, oh, you know, we're going to work extra hard so that we can retire by 45, 50. And I was like, the saddest day of my life will be the day that someone has to turn around and tell me to retire because I just love what I do so much. Do you think you'll love it though when you're like 45 or 50? Yeah. Yes, 100%. I'm telling you, like, and this is the thing, like when you naturally, when you unlock something that you absolutely love, 
like you're going to have up days and you're going to have down days. But ultimately, when you have something that you absolutely love, I'm trying to think how to say it, but it feels weird not to love it. It's kind of like the best way I can describe it. It's like me going back home. So it's like when I've done all of these things with BBC, like every time I step foot in that building, like I feel like, yes, I'm back home. Do you get me? Yeah, that's nice. And there's nothing I can do. Like, you know, a lot of people, they love to travel. And this is like one of the things we spoke about in the come up to this was, I think Hamish messaged me and he's like, oh, so do you do a lot of traveling? And I'm like, no, I don't. <laughs> and I said, the reason why I don't like, like, I'm not against it at all. Like, you know, everybody loves a holiday. But the thing with it is a lot of people use holidays as a distraction. But when you love what you do, yeah, you don't need a distraction. Do you get me? Yeah, I haven't really like thought of it like that. But yeah, that, that, yeah, that does make sense. And this is the thing, like, you won't believe it. When I'm away on holiday, like in the past, I remember I've been in Turkey. And I've been listening in to like, you know, Croydon <laughs> FM and like, I've been listening in to like, you know. Oh, Croydon uh, FM wondering like, who's this listener in Turkey listening to Croydon FM? Yeah, literally. <laughs> You'd be surprised though. Like we get listeners all over the world. Like just two weeks ago, someone messaged me from Kerala in India and he's like, yo bro, can you play, can you play my song on your show? And I was like. <laughs> the time difference as well. Mad. Yeah. And he was just like, and I was like, listen, and you know what? He made a banging tune, you know, and I was like, I mean, the secret evil side of me, I would never do this. The secret evil side of me wanted to be like, yo, can you send me that beat? And I, I trust me, I could have made a million pounds from that beat. <laughs> <laughs> but I'd never do that. I'd never do no, that. No. Yeah, I, th- I, think, I think what you said there was kind of like, we've, we've touched on it, we've like, I think we've debated it in the past, kind of like whether people should kind of, I think a lot of people who kind of, where you say like, you ask them like, are you happy now? But they're saying like, yeah. Maybe not now, but, you know, I will be happy in the future at some point. Because yeah, they'll have, like, more money to, like, things. spend on things and, yeah. like, do be able to do stuff that maybe we can't do or maybe potentially ever do. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what? I mean, my life has kind of taken a very weird ups and downs where I've... So, for example, like, I had a retail job when I was 16 years old, and I literally came out of school. And as as soon as I came out of school, like, during the summer holidays, I had two weeks to chill, and then literally I got a job full-time just to cover summer holidays. And I used to work in Chelsea, um, like, Sloan Square. Chelsea, that's a a fancy area, isn't it? And I used to wear a suit. And you know what, like, even if you look at, like, if you go on my Instagram, you'll see me wearing like loads of different suits. And I love wearing a suit. Like I wear hoodies and track suits and stuff like that. But I love wearing a good suit. But the thing with it was, because I was in Chelsea, I used to come across some of the richest people in the world. And it was weird because it's like, you know, when you work around these people, you get kind of a grasp into their reality. And I've had a couple of retail jobs. Um, so I worked in Chelsea, but at one stage I also worked in Mayfair as well. Okay, that's two. That's one place to another, man. Yeah, and to be honest, there weren't fancy jobs at all. There weren't fancy jobs at all. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want people to think, oh, this guy, like, I was still <laughs> saying, would you like a bag with that? Like, <laughs> but ultimately, I was positioned in these areas and a lot of people, and this is the thing, like a lot of people, they would, I would come across uh, some of the richest people in the world. But ultimately, when it comes down to 
genuine in your heart and soul and happiness. A lot of these people, like you can drive a Ferrari, but unless you're happy in your heart and soul, and this is why some of the richest people in the world, they'll go to like Budapest and they'll go to India trying to, you know, find this happiness. And I think the biggest awakening I had like that was when I went to India about three, four years ago. And I remember just stopping and staring at this like shanty town. And it was like, literally all it was, it was poles and, you know, plastic sheets for like as far as the eye can see. But they were the happiest people I've ever seen in my life. And they were like, and literally, you won't believe it, just opposite the street, there was like these buildings which were like, easily over 10 million do you get me yeah i've seen pictures where it's like it's in india oh it's the, horrendous man like, like the differences like the slums and like the rich areas like being right next to each other and like it, it literally i'm not kidding there was like phantoms and ferraris and land like you know range rovers pulling into this building and literally their view outside is a massive shanty town yeah like a favela right yeah yeah exactly like a favela yeah So I think, you know, for me, yeah, it was always go a bit deeper and try and find something that you ultimately love. And, you know, I'd never normally say this at work, yeah, but what I used to do at BBC, so I was a radio producer at BBC. So what I used to do at BBC, I always say, I was like, I've done this for free for so long that considering you're paying me to do this, it's the biggest blessing in the world. Did you get me? Yeah. And I think one of the biggest mindsets I always have, like I remember even being inside the building, one of the, this guy came up to me once and he's like, you're always so happy, man. Like, why are you always so happy? (laughs) (laughs) And you know what I said to him? I said, listen, you need to understand. So I graduated uni. And again, even when I went to uni, so I did media studies as a BTEC in college. And I did, I did it for three years. So I did. Again, because I got bad GCSEs, I did a BTEC first just to be able to get a B, so which is level two, just to be able to get into level three to do. And I did a BTEC national. And when I did my BTEC national, I got a, I remember getting it to the end of it. And they're like, so the minimum grades I needed to get into university was what they call distinction merit merit. And they're like, oh, congratulations, you've got a distinction merit merit. Now, the thing with it was, I wanted to prove this thing to myself. So my teachers turn around and they're like, great, you've got what you needed, you know, have a good summer, you know, have a great life. And I was like, miss, do you know what? Yeah, I know I got what I need, but I want to get a triple distinction before I walk out. And she's like, but why? Like, you know, you've got what you needed to do. You've got into university. Like, you're good. Even, like, all my class, they're like, fam, what are you doing, fam? Like, like just go home, man. Enjoy your summer, innit? Yeah, go on those holidays, man. <laughs> Literally. And I was like, nah, miss, I want to get a triple distinction. And you know what that was? I needed to prove it to myself. And so this is going to sound like the corniest thing anyone's ever said to you. But my teacher's like, look, you can do it, but I'm not going to help you. Like, I'm not going to sit here for hours and hours trying to help you do this. Because I've got to help students get into uni. And I was like, all right, cool. So, you know what? And the worst thing was, technology isn't as great as it was now. 
old man sentence again. <laughs> so all of my work, I used to save on my uni computer on my login. So again, like I'm going to say, this is the corniest thing you're ever going to hear. I used to sneak in to college at like 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> and I remember trying to swerve the bodyguard. Like, <laughs> and I used to sneak into college, log in, just so I can like improve all of my work. So the like college is over, right? No, no. So basically what happens is when you do BTEC in around, it doesn't actually finish till July, July, yeah. But in a May, when you do BTEC, what happens is around May, you have what they call a review. And so at that point, they go, this is where you're standing. In order for you to get into uni by July, so July is like your end result, you're going to have to get your grades from here to here. But if you already hit your mark by May, they were like, cool, man, like you can go, go on your way. That way we can focus on the students. Oh, so you can like literally stop? Yeah, because you've got what you need to do. Oh. You're done. I think, I think that's more acceptable, to be fair. And then, do you know what? Like, once I had that epiphany moment, I was like, I need to do, I wanted to do radio. And I remember just wanting to do radio more than anything in the world. And at the time, like, there was a huge, I don't want to say the word pressure, but it's like everybody had to go to uni. Like, if you, were, if you didn't go to uni, yeah, yeah. not even in, like, you know, the brown community, like even like amongst friends, like they were like, everyone has to go to uni. And like those people who did like, you know, PE at uni and like, you know, those people. I remember one of my mates, he, he did some police course in uni. So, but we were all just trying to get a degree. Does that make sense? I, d- I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah, literally. So I went to uni and I remember doing media production, but my one specialized in radio production and that was at Westminster. Do you think you needed to go uni to do what you're doing now? Honestly, no. And actually, funny story related to that. So yeah, you don't need to go to uni at all to do what I do. In actuality, I don't want to say, like saying it's a waste of time is a huge disrespect because the course was good. However, the people on my course were very, very ruthless in the sense that I think when people came into the course and a lot of people in my course, they were older. So they'd been in the working environment and they felt like they needed a degree and whatever. So I, like some people in my course were like 25 years old. And I was just like, you know, how old are you when you go to uni? Like 19, 18, 19. And I remember literally like, if you've ever watched The Apprentice, what it's like in the boardroom, that's what it was like when I went to uni. Like <laughs> everyone was ruthless as hell. Like, and they were constantly like backstabbing each other, but then they don't live together in one house. And I'm like, but you know, like I was like, I can't live in this kind of environment. You got a bear snake. Yeah. <laughs> prob- a few of them are probably going to listen to this, but <laughs> the worst thing was. Call them out, call them out. <laughs> Liz, we're not doing that. <laughs> You're a good interviewer because I nearly fell for it. I nearly started going. <laughs> we look for the drama and the drama gets views. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but I'll be honest with you. Some of the people, they were mad snake here. And funny little story. Uh, like my parents don't even know because my mom's right here. But funny little story. I was literally, I'd made my mind up. that I was like, do you know what? Forget this. Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to drop out of uni. I wrote and then I literally went to the office and I'm like, I want to drop out of uni. 
And the woman, she didn't even care, you know. She was like, yeah, that's fine. All you need to do is you need to write a letter and just submit it to us and that's fine. You're all done. And I was like, at least show me a bit of empathy. Yeah. At least try and keep me in it. Yeah, show you want me, man. I want to feel wanted. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to turn into therapy. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so literally she's like, yeah, all you need to do is write a letter, just submit the letter to us and then you're done. So I remember I went home. You know, that might actually be, that might be the tactic, you know. When people are like, oh, I want to drop out of uni. If they show like no kind of like, yeah, fine. Then it might actually kind of make you be like, oh, shit. Okay. I'll stay then, you know? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> that might be the tactic Maybe. to play. But yeah, basically what happened, I remember writing the letter and I got to uni that day and I was late. And what happened is everybody had 10 o'clock lectures and I was about, I literally got to this, like my train station. So I went to Westminster, but I call it Westminster while I was in Harrow because <laughs> I was on the Harrow campus. So I used to be in Norfolk Park. And anyway, so as I'm walking up, I see this journalist from the BBC and I was like, hello, I will, you know, and so as the thing is, she's going trying to get interviews like Vox Pops of people. Uh, but because she'd come after uni started, what happened is that everyone's blanking because everyone's just trying to get into uni because mm. they're running late for classes and that. So basically what happened is I was like, I need to speak to this woman. <laughs> and she was brown as well. So I was like, yeah, I, you know, a little bit, you know, I can stretch it yeah. like a little bit more. And I remember meeting her and she was like, she asked me a question. And you know, like when we do what, you know, like we do, I knew what she wanted from an answer. So I just gave her like the perfect reply and she's like, oh, so what do you do? And like, we just started chit-chatting and I said, look, to be honest with you, I work in, I'm doing this radio uh, media production course, but I said, I'm actually going to drop it today. And she goes, please don't drop it. She goes, take my card, send me an email. She goes, please continue doing it. Like, don't give up on it. And she goes, drop me an email. And I was like, look, you know what? I'd love to do some, some, like anything for BBC. And she goes, drop me an email and I'll see what I can do. So I was like, all right, cool. So literally I get into uni and you know, a lot of what I've done in my life has been now like being stupid and innocent. So literally I got into uni and instead of like planning it properly and structuring a good email, I literally walked into uni and I was like, Hey, I'm the guy you met 10 <laughs> minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Man. but that's so like i don't know if you i don't know if you consider lucky or fate or like coincidence yeah this or is the what? thing and she turned around to me and i remember her emailing me back straight away going hey i do remember you from 10 minutes ago <laughs> and she was like she was like and even in the email she turned around and she's like listen please don't give up on your course she's like continue doing what you're doing and she goes, in the meantime, I'll try and find you some kind of work experience, blah, 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 blah. But she goes, please don't give up on your course. And she literally wrote it in capital, please don't give up on your course. So then I thought, well, if I do, she probably won't give me the work experience and all of that. So I continued going through uni. Bro, three months down the line, I didn't hear anything from this lady. And I was like, <laughs> she, she you, just man. lied to me. Like, literally all of that, yeah. And then all of a sudden I got a phone call and I'm like, private number. And I'm like, hello. And then this lady phoned me and she was like, hi, I'm just ringing from the BBC. We were just wondering if you'd like to come in and do a film review for like a Bollywood film. And I was like, yeah, sure. Like I was just trying to get in the building. <laughs> I was like, yeah, sure. <laughs> 
So I went to the cinema and I watched the film. And then off the back, like I went to the, I remember going to the studios and it was mad. Like I was over the moon and it was like the best feeling in the world. And I remember the first time I stepped into the building again, I had like one of these moments where I felt like this is where I'm meant to be. It was mad. Like how can you walk into a building and feel like it's home? Does that make sense? No, I felt that when I walked into Old Trafford once. (laughs) It was was definitely like, I felt it, but like... It definitely wasn't home. No, but it, it, in a weird way, yeah, I mean... I, I ain't playing. You know, I'm I ain't sure playing for him. <laughs> but yeah, so I walked in and then I did a thing where I was doing film reviews. And I ended up, I like, I enjoyed it so much. And this is the thing, I enjoyed it so much. And they were like, wow, like, you know... And the thing with it was, because I'm quite... I consider myself to be quite confident and like, you know, all of that. They were like, a lot of people are nervous and like, they're like, your energy was just great. And they were like, oh, do you want to make this into like a regular thing? And I was like, yeah, like I'd love to. So then I was like going, not like every week, but fairly regularly, like a couple of times a month, I'd go in and do film reviews. And then off the back of that producer who was like making the show, I turned around to her and I was like, look, I really want to do the radio thing. Like I'd love to get some work experience. And so she got me work experience. Wait, so these film reviews, were they audio, video, written? Audio, so okay. it was on radio. Yeah. But what would happen is basically every week, so I don't know if you guys know this, but in Bollywood, there's pretty much a new film that releases, sometimes three film release every week. Why, like it, as in it's like a thing, it, like every week? It's in like, the cinemas, yeah. Oh shit, like how you have like music on the Friday, like new music on Friday, it's like that. But Yeah, okay. pretty much every Friday there's a new at least minimum one Bollywood film released in the cinema. Oh, mad. Not now during Black COVID and all of that, but traditionally there always has been. And were you, were you a Bollywood fan when they asked you to do the first like Bollywood film review? So being honest with you, I'd watched Bollywood films, yeah. but I wasn't like crazy obsessed Bollywood. But I was just like, oh, they're probably going to watch this back now and be like, this guy lied to us. Yeah. <laughs> but at the time, I was just like, look, anything to get me in. Yeah. Like, I'm down. Do you get me? Yeah, I can imagine me being like, they'll be like, hey, do you watch Bollywood? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I love Bollywood, man. Yeah. Amir Khan, Sherry Khan, all them, man. But ultimately, what it came down to was your honest review Mm. of the film. Yeah. So, like, there was bare times where I went in and I was like, and this is the thing, like, when you go to these environments, they're not just looking for a yes man as well. Because I used to turn around. And sometimes I remember once the presenters were like, we absolutely loved the film. Like, it was so amazing. And I was like, what? Are you mad? Like, it was whack. <laughs> <laughs> and again, like you said, like, it's controversial. Yeah. But at the end of the day, like, I'm representing a particular type of people, whereas they represent, you know, like, different generations and the different, you know, backgrounds and stuff like that. And this is a lot. This is a big thing. Like, I always turn around and tell people, like, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, there's not enough, like, it's hard to find work experience and like all of these things. And I say to them, I'm like, listen, believe it or not, they need you in a weird way. They need you more than you need them sometimes. Because if they don't get that younger generation's perspective on things, they will very quickly get left behind. So sometimes they do need you just as much as you need them. And then, because you said there, like, oh, you thought, like, oh, it was whack. Can you actually speak like that on, like, BBC or do they have, like, do you have to kind of, like, turn it down? 
Um, so I think it depends on which shows you're on. Like there's certain shows where, so the show that I was working on um, was like a Bollywood specialist show. And so to be honest with you, I used to be a bit more professional on that show, but I remember getting some work experience off the back of that. So I turned around to the producer and I was like, I'd love to get some work experience. So on that show, I was very like professional and I was very like, you speak proper English and like, all of those things. But then as a part of my work experience, I also worked with like Candyman and Limelight. And I don't know if you're aware of Candyman and Limelight, but they're like two presenters who, and they're like proper, like, you know, gangsters. And like, you know, they, they kind of play like hip hop rap. And like, mm-hmm. so I remember the first time meeting them and I was like, oh, good afternoon. I hope you're well. <laughs> and they were like, they're like, what are you talking about, fam? <laughs> like, get away from me, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, and I remember the literally one of the two, so Limelight, DJ Limelight, he was like, you know what? Yeah, you look like Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. And he was just rinsing me. <laughs> just a roast session. <laughs> and I was like thinking, I'm trying to be professional. I'm in the BBC. Like, this guy's a presenter. Yeah. I'm just on work experience. I'm going to get kicked out of the building. And then literally I was like, but you know that there's lines and levels in it, yeah? And don't forget, I'm from Croydon. So like, I've still got that side of me in me, in it, yeah? And I've just come out of high school and college. So you can't beat me at cussing, you get me, yeah? So I turned around and I'm like, I turned around to, I think it was Candyman. And I was like, bro, look at your bean head, bro. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is this on radio? This isn't this saying like live no, no, on this, is, this, this isn't live oh, on radio. This is like just when I was That'd being, been seen, yeah. man. And I was like, Bro, look at your bean head, yeah. <laughs> and I think when I started cussing them back, yeah. Yo, respect. Uh, they, they got more Yeah, respect. and that's what it was. And then they were like, you know what? You're cool, bro. You're cool, yeah. That's true. And this is another thing. Like, I remember I got work experience. And then, yeah, it was crazy because at near the end of it, one of the producers at the time, he was like, so I worked on what they call the Raj and Pablo show, which is the Bollywood show. And then I worked on Candyman and Limelight. It was called Mike Check. And that's all about like rappers and like, so a lot of people don't know this, but like Candyman and Limelight were one of the first people to bring gigs into the BBC building. They were the first, one of the first people to bring like gets onto radio. Like, so even though they come from a brown background, like they were the first people to bring a lot of this talent into the BBC building. And so I worked on those two shows and I worked on Punjabi Hit Squad's show. And I remember at the end of it, one of the producers was like, do you want to be in a music video? And I was like, whose music video? And they're like, this is before I met Punjabi Hit Squad, yeah? And they're like, Punjabi Hit Squad. And I was like, no way, the Punjabi Hit Squad. They're like looking at me like, why are you getting gas for? Yeah, <laughs> Like, you know, like, but you can't help it, innit? Because growing up, I always used to listen to Punjabi Hit Squad, yeah? And I was like, no way, deep and jobby hits good, yeah. And they're like, he's like, why are you shouting? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like maybe, maybe we shouldn't ask him. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> and yeah, like I, I was in Punjabi Hits good music video. It's called Miss Sonia. Oh shit, can we see like wait, let me see if I can. Yeah, do you want to get it out? Let me see if I can find it. One thing that's so important, and I and I say this to people all the time, yeah, is a lot of people use the word networking all the time and I hate the word networking. So I always turn around to people and I'm like, never network, create relationships. And to this day, I remember even having my ups and downs in life. I always used to ring up like Shubnam and be like, ask, oh, so how's the family? You know, 
like all of those things. And I remember once I rang up um, this lady Shobnam and I'm like, hey, I just want to, I just, I, thought, I haven't spoken to you in a long time. And it was genuine. Like I wasn't being fake. Like I genuinely care in it. Yeah. So I rang her up and I'm like, hey, I just want to just, like see how you were. Like I haven't spoken to you in a long time. And she's like, yeah, yeah, I'm good. So and she goes, so what can I do for you? And I'm like, no, no, I just genuinely like rang just to like see how you were. And she's like, no, but like, what do you need? <laughs> and I was like, nothing. Like, I'm just doing. And she goes, do you know what, Rajan? She goes, in the last six years, nobody's just rang me just to see how I am. She goes, normally when people ring and go, how are you? It means I need something of you. So I'm just going to do the quick introduction before I get to my point. Yeah. And this is the thing. Like, when you create relationships with people, naturally they're going to want to do things for you, but you're going to, but it comes from a place of love. It's not coming from a place of like, I need something. And so I always tell people, I'm like, yeah, create relationships. You know what's mad? Like that actually makes me think about like work conversations with people like message you like on Skype here and they're like, hi, how are you? But you know, like you don't ever speak to them and you know, it's purely, they're going to, they're going to ask for something here, yeah, but they expect yeah. you to reply first. I'm like, I always tell my team, yeah, like, please don't message me like this ever. Just, just tell me what you want. Yeah. <laughs> because, because honestly, life will be so much easier than me having to go back and forth on a Skype message. Yeah. So the people who I like, I'd say like, oh, I'm good friends with, they'd obviously message me separately on WhatsApp as needed, but at work here, they'll just message what they need because it makes more sense than to bloody message me. Hey, how are you? Wait for my response. It's just like, fucking just tell me what you want. You get me like, because the how are you thing is just like, you're basically asking a question, but you didn't really care in the first place. Like, you just wanted something. You wanted something. But you need an opener. Instead of asking for it. You need an opener. Yeah, I'm like, I don't want to have to go through a, like unnecessary back and forth and also say, how are you as well. I'd rather just say like, hope you're well. Give my point because I'm not here to have a conversation. <laughs> so like, small talk, innit? Yeah, like there's there's no need for this like one extra line or two extra lines of conversation at work here. Yeah, like it's fine. Like I'm not I'm fine with it. You could just drop me the thing, tell me what you want, it's done. And cool, carry on. So yeah, I, I can get that point. Like she was probably it, it's like embedded into culture because I think people try to make like soften the blow before asking something, but yeah, like it's work, like it's just work. Just, just say what you gotta say. Yeah, like and this is the thing, like when you when I did work experience, you kind of, once you're in, you kind of forget that you are work experience. Yeah, yeah. So I was like chilling out with people at One Extra and like chilling out with people from Asian Network and like I was having the time of my life. And then literally my two weeks were over and they're like, okay, thank you. Keep in touch. Really? <laughs> yeah. And it wasn't from a bad place. Like I understand they're busy people in it. Yeah. But was it not like any kind of conversations like, to potentially stay on or I to be honest with you um I did try at the time but at the time they were just like look at the moment there's no kind of opportunities they were like you know keep in touch and then you know when things pop up we can try and like you know see what we can do and again you don't want to create like so I just left it at, at that and a couple of and then I was just like every opportunity I could find but I was still doing the Bollywood reviews, so I wasn't too, too, mm. like, you know, upset, if that makes sense. And then I remember finishing uni, and then I'm like, I actually need to find a job now. <laughs> Do you get me? And it's not like a normal job where you're like, oh, let me just apply online for this job, and then I'll get the job. With a lot of media things, you have to, you know, there's only a job if there's a job opportunity. Do you get me? So again, I was asking for like work experience and internships and like all of these things. And every so often 
I was that guy that I was still doing retail and I was still like working in the background and again I managed to get myself work experience and I thought oh sick I'm back in the building like all of these things and I remember finishing the work experience and the thing with it is a lot of this stuff I approached quite I don't want to use the word stupidly but quite innocently and I turned around and at the end I had a a kind of like final review meeting with the with the lady and she was like look you know what you're great you've got good intentions and all of that but she goes being honest with you at the moment you're not really adding a lot of value to what we're doing she goes it seems like we're doing you a favor rather than you doing us a favor was she like that blunt yeah I wish that's the most blunt conversation. I've had a lot more worse blunt conversations than that. But she goes, you need to basically get to a position where you're adding value to what we're doing. Otherwise it's pointless you even being here. And this is the, this is, it's very tricky because when you, when you go to work experience, you don't want to seem like I'm Mr. Know-it-all, but then you don't also want to be like, I don't know what I'm doing. And I think it's quite a fine balance. So, you know, like the old saying, like people often say, oh, just fake it till you make it. Yeah. Worst piece of advice anyone can ever give you. Because believe me, I remember once, and I've never ever said this, and like you lot are squeezing a lot of juice out of me. Don't take that in the wrong way. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember like turning around, someone rang me once and they were like, oh yeah are you able to do this and do this and do this and i was like yeah of course i can of course i can yeah and literally i got myself in and they're like okay do it and i was like um let me just and i'm like trying to do find like google like youtube like tutorials on how to do it and stuff like that and i remember them pulling me up and going look if you don't know what you're doing like don't waste our time like don't but i'm just trying to get myself in the building yeah (laughs) i've probably been guilty of that like the fake it till you make it kind of thing where like I might might say um, I can do something that I can't do but I will like kind of figure it out and be able to and then it. when I got when I so basically I had one of the most horrible experiences where they were like look if you don't know what you're doing just tell us now and in a nice way they went just leave kind of a thing yeah, yeah. and I remember walking out of that situation and I'm not even kidding yeah bit gross but I threw up everywhere thinking this is it and i have blown it because i was so like i can't believe what's happened i may not get another opportunity out of this like this is probably it and i felt so like kind of in a way disgusted in myself do you get me yeah but at the end of the day like someone rings you and goes yeah can you do this but like back in the day people are like yeah just fake it till you make it just get yourself in and then you know learn on the job yeah so after that moment, I was like, do you know what? I'm just going to do everything in my power to become the best at this job. So I went and I, you know, I bought all the software. I started getting involved in projects. I started like doing all of these things. And I got to the position where like I learned that if I ever get offered any of these opportunities ever again, I know I will smash it. Do you get me? You won't have to fake it because you've... You exactly. Know kind of thing. And so a couple of years later, and I remember I was doing all of these things with BBC and I was just struggling to gain, 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 gain. And then all of a sudden, one of my best friends, he turned around and he's like, 
Capital are running this program. It's called Music Potential, where basically they kind of, it's like an open event. You turn up and then you can get selected to do this radio course. And off the back of the course, they're going to be offering jobs to people. So I was like sick. So then I went for this. I, I was trying to apply for it. But the only opportunities at the time, London had been booked up. So the only opportunities available were in Birmingham. So I was like, cool, let's go Birmingham. (laughs) (laughs) And this is the thing, like I've wanted to be a part of this industry so badly. It was like a lot of people were like, oh, but Birmingham's far, man. And I was like, I don't care. Wherever the job is, I'm going. Did you get me? Yeah. So I applied for this thing called Music Potential and you won't believe it. So I got on the kind of course. It was like a two-week course, yeah. No, sorry, it was a six-week course, yeah. And you won't believe the funniest thing. I'd actually booked a holiday halfway through this course, like about a couple of months before. So I was meant to be in Barcelona. Now they made it very clear. They're like, if you miss one session we'll kick you off the course and we'll basically, there's no further opportunity. Luckily, the course thing, it was only one day a week. So it was six weeks, but it was only one day a week. So you won't believe what I did, yeah? I did my normal holiday. I went to Barcelona. I flew back from Barcelona, landed in Heathrow, took a coach to Birmingham, attended the course, (laughs) Took a coach back to London and flew back to Barcelona. Really? <laughs> to continue to continue the rest of my holiday. Okay, <laughs> oh man. That's exhausting. It is, but listen, you gotta, gotta do, do what you're yeah, gonna yeah, do. You gotta do it. And so I finished the six week course and they were like Do they know that? Like the people kind of running your You know course? what? I didn't even t- I didn't tell them at the time. When the six weeks ended, they would turn around and they're like so one of you are going to get a mentor in the, basically a mentor from Capital. And they're like, we're going to decide who gets a mentor. And at that point, I was like, just to let you know. <laughs> just to let you know. A few weeks ago. You know why I was late? Because I actually took a flight from the bus. And they were like, you're lying. And I was like, literally, I took a picture and I showed them. I was like, look, this is my boarding pass. I flew back just to attend your course. Did you get the mentor? And I got the mentor. And you did? Oh, smashed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I did stuff with that mentor. Unfortunately, it didn't quite lead to a job, but I did learn a lot from that particular mentor. And then a year later, they ran the course again, but in London. And because I was still like looking for opportunities, I did the course again, but in London. And I wasn't even sure if you're allowed to do the course twice, if that makes sense. But I was like, Bunny, where there's opportunities, I'm going to be there, yeah. you get me? So I did the course again, and luckily, off the back of that, I got another mentor. And again, what happened is I was so lucky. I remember walking to Global, which is in like Piccadilly, uh, which is where Capital, Classic FM, XFM, like all of these radio stations, they're all in, in one building, a lot of people know that. And I remember going into this building and what happened is that my first mentor was like someone really high up at Capital. And at the time I thought, wow, I've got like someone proper, proper high up. Like I'm easily going to get a job out of this. Yeah. But actually what happened, I mean, this isn't in a disrespectful way, but she literally had no time for me because she's like, oh, I've got to do this. 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 
this. Like she literally had, and she's like, do I really want to spend an hour, if not longer with some guy who just, you know, trying to get some work experience. <laughs> and so what ended up happening is I did the course again. And I remember we walked into an environment where there was like loads of potential people who could mentor you. So basically you, you got a chance to speak to them. They got a chance to speak to you. It was a bit like speed dating. <laughs> for mentors. And I remember at the time I met this girl and she was just doing like marketing at Classic FM. Whereas there was this guy who was like head of capital. Now the thing is, you've really got to read the room in these situations. So what happened is there was like a queue of people to meet him. Yeah. But this girl who was doing marketing at Classic, nobody was like even approaching her because they're like, I don't want to work on Classic FM. Mm. Like, do you get yeah. But you've got to look at what goes beyond that. Yeah. So I just started speaking to her. And what I found out is that she actually, on top of working there, like she was in talks with people at Capital already about her trying to become a presenter. And on top of that, she also had her own local radio show at a radio station called Pulse 88. So she became my mentor. And this is the thing. What I did, I tried to be more tactical. Instead of trying to find the person who's proper high up, for anybody that's ever looking for a mentor, the best person to try and get a hold of essentially is one a person who's essentially one level above you because what they can do is they can guide you in the right direction rather than if you try and find someone who's proper high up, unless they can give you a job there and then, which most times they can't. And you might be in a similar situation where just might have been busy all the time. And and they understand what you're going through when they're like one step, you know, because they've probably been through that step like a couple of months or maybe a year before you. Yeah. So yeah, I managed to get that. And then off the back of that, yeah, again, like I was doing all of this hustling. I was doing like all these work experiences at random places. And then I started my own Bollywood podcast. Because <laughs> at the time, you know what? Like everybody turned around to me. So the thing with what I always wanted to do was I always wanted to be a, what they call, so in radio, they have two things. So they have either what they call daytime radio or they have specialists. So specialists are like, you know, someone who just focuses on R&B or someone who just focuses on grime or someone who just focuses. Charlie Sloth is what they call a specialist. Or do you get what I mean? Whereas, I don't know if you guys listen to radio like that, but like, you know, your Yasa or your Harps Core or your, they're more like what they call daytime. So they'll do a little bit of everything. And that's what I was trying to hit. But back in the days, again, old man, Back in the days, they were like, you have to have a thing. They're like, if you don't have a thing, then we can't market you and we can't brand you. And because I was doing all these Bollywood film reviews, I was like, well, why don't I just do a Bollywood podcast? <laughs> do you still do it? No. So I so said, this is the thing. Like, so I started doing this Bollywood podcast and I did it for about, I think I released about 80 episodes. 80? 80? And I used to do it weekly. Yeah. Oh, mad. So, and I used to do it weekly. So I had a Bollywood podcast. And then what I used to do, I used to record my podcast in a studio. And I used to pay for a sound engineer. Yeah, full works. You didn't, like, it wasn't like a home at home one. Yeah. No, no, no. Like, I used to pay for a sound engineer. I used to pay for a 
the studio time. So every Friday, I used to wake up, I used to go studio, I used to record my film review. Then, no, sorry, rewind. I used to, so my mentor, she was on radio. So what I used to do, I used to wake up six o'clock, four o'clock in the morning. And I used to do, I used to co-host a radio show with her. Cause she's like, come just jump on my radio show. And then we'll be like a duo kind of a thing. So what happened? And my every Friday, I used to wake up at four and I used to be, I, I lived in, I live in Croydon and I used to be at Wembley at like 5.30 in the morning and radio starts at six o'clock in the morning. So then I used to get to radio at six o'clock in the morning and then I used to do radio from six till 10, finish radio. Then I used to go studio, record my podcast. And then I used to record my podcast till about, you know, 12, one o'clock. Then I used to finish that. And then what I started doing is on top of my podcast, I used to do film reviews. So then I used to drive from, sorry, I forgot to mention. So my studio was in Manor House. So I used to go from Wembley to Manor House. Then I went from Manor House, finished my studio session, to um, Feltham. I used to drive to Feltham from there. And I used to go Feltham Cinema film of film review. So I used to watch the whole yeah. film, Bollywood, a Bollywood film. film as well. That's like three hours, isn't it? Three hours. And then I'd do a film review straight after the film, um, straight after the watching the film. I used to get in my car, then I used to edit my film review in my car. And then every Friday, I used to release a podcast and I used to release a film review. And that was my Friday, every Friday. And I did this for about a year and a half. Like every week, I used to just, that was my routine, like wake up, Wembley, Manor House, Feltham, sit in my car, edit the video, release all of it. Then I used to come home. And you can imagine my sleep was like all over the place. And I did that for about a year and a half. And then this opportunity came up to become a producer at BBC, like Asian Network. And it was like basically like, the kind of dream job that yeah. I've always wanted. And this is a bit of a long story, so I apologize. Um, I know I've talked no, no, way no, too much right. in this already. No, you made our life but, easier, trust yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> but again, feel free to interrupt me as much as you want. But again, so basically what happened is that this job, job um, opportunity came up. And I don't know if you've ever filled out one of these job applications, yeah. But it's about eight to ten pages. What, just for radio? Is that like a general job application? Well, for for most BBC roles, um, oh, it's okay. about. Eight oh, actually, to yeah, 10, BBC. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, I have a. I think I've like looked to the application for BBC, like web engineer or something, web developer, and then yeah, yeah, yeah. Realized it was eight to nine pages, and been like, nah, that's all right. I'll I'll do that tomorrow, and then just never did it. So. I've got like a really crazy story where basically what happened is that, so this opportunity came up and then I went, you know what? I'm going to be really smart about this and I'm going to take my time applying. Cause you know, eight to 10 pages, you can't bang it all out in one night. Yeah. So what happened is I started the process and I was doing it bit by bit, by bit, by bit, by bit, by bit, by bit. And I remember the last section was 300 words. And I thought, I remember on like a, uh, Friday night thinking okay and it was due Sunday 12 o'clock yeah so this is Friday night I went you know what 
I'm going to leave it here. Got time. I just have to do 300 words. I had work the next day because I was still doing retail. I was like, I'm going to finish work and then I'm going to come home from work and then I'm going to um, fill in 300 words and then send it off. So woke up next morning, went to work. And then all of a sudden, my brother-in-law phones me. Yeah, and he's like, oh, um, we're having a barbecue tonight. He goes, come to the barbecue. And I was like, I can't come to no barbecue. I've got to do these 300 words and send off the application. Yeah? My parents are like, bro, you can't be disrespectful. They didn't say bro. <laughs> my parents are like, you can't be disrespectful. That's your brother-in-law. My, your sister's just got married. Like, you know, they've invited us. We have to go to this barbecue. And I was like, do you realize, like, I can't afford not to do this application? And they're like, no, it's fine. You know, you're, you're always up at night. They're like, well, listen, we'll go to the barbecue, come back, do your 300 words and send it off. I feel like I'm making my parents sound irresponsible. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, went to, so listen to this, yeah. So, I'm, so what happened? My family picked me up from work. We're driving. And then all of a sudden, my car, which I've had for nine years, loved my car, broke down. Yeah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, like, it's never broken down, just broke down. And I'm like thinking, oh, my God, yeah. And I'm thinking, what do I do? i got my grandma in the car. i got everybody in the car, yeah. So I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I just parked up. Yeah, luckily, I parked up. I parked up. And we just get an Uber to my brother-in-law's house. Also, little side note, I'll come back to this. Little side note, I had cricket tickets for India, Pakistan. India, I think it was India, Pakistan on the Sunday as well. Yeah. I'll come back to that. (laughs) So then what happened is I get to my brother-in-law's house. We have the barbecue and I'm like, I'm like, I need to get out of here. I need to get out of here. But my car's broken down in central London. I can't leave my car there because if it gets to the morning, it's going to get a ticket or it's going to get towed away. So then I phoned my cousin. My cousin like, yeah, you're coming cricket, in it Tomorrow. And I was like, you know what? At this rate, I don't know if I'm coming cricket. And he's like, no, you have to come ticket cricket. Do you know how many people, like I've said, like who, who like begged me for this ticket, yeah? And I've said no to them. <laughs> he's like, do this. Let me come pick you up, yeah? Because he lives in Harrow. He's like, let me come pick you up, yeah? Like near my brother-in-law. He's like, let me come pick you up, yeah? And he goes, we'll go to the car. And he goes, we'll try and get the car fixed, yeah? He drives me to central London, and then at this rate, it's like 10, 11 o'clock at night. He promises to stay with me. My man drops me to central London. He goes, yeah, I'm feeling a bit sleepy. You know, I might go home. Yeah. <laughs> he just leaves me. I ring um, AA, RAC, yeah? And they're like, yeah, sir, it's going to be about four hours. And I'm like, so this is pretty much like 2 a.m., yeah? I'm like sitting there waiting, 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 waiting. And stupidly fell asleep. Woke up, I had like four missed calls. The guy's like, yeah, I turned up and there was no one around the car. So I left. And I'm like, bro, like I was sleeping in the car. (laughs) Do you get me? Yeah. Don't forget, I still want to fill in this application. Yeah. It's it's now 2 a.m. Yeah. And I remember, I was like, I remember just saying, God, please, man, like, Help me out. You get me, yeah? Yeah. And I'm not I'm not kidding, yeah? I was like, let me just try and do something. Turned the car and it turned over. It literally turned on. And I was like, 
I just need to get home as quick as possible. So I drove. What kind of miracle is that? Yeah, I drove all the way home. Yeah, that's crazy. Parked up. And now it's about 3.30, yeah? And I'm like, okay, it's 3.30. I can do one of two things. I can either wake up at 6 o'clock in the morning and do it, or I can just do it now. My dad turned around and he's like, look, you're up, you're awake. He goes, just do it. It won't take long. And, you know, then you can fall asleep. I fill in my 300 words, yeah. Because I knew what I had to say. To be what honest. was the, like, fill in what was the question? Was it a cover letter or, like? It was, it was really, it, was, it wasn't a hard question, but it was something along the lines of what would you bring to the role or something okay, like that, okay, yeah? yeah. And I know, like, you know, so it, I knew what I had to say, yeah? So listen to this. I fill in the 300 words, yeah? And I'm like, okay, next stage is just submit. I click next, yeah? Guess what happened? Oh, it's session timed out or something. I wish. Oh. No, I don't wish. <laughs> I click next. It goes, please, can you write 2,000 words on why you want this job? Oh, 2,000. At 3.30 in the morning, bro. <laughs> I thought 300 words was a lot. Also, wait, wait, can we just rewind a bit? Your boy left you in Central <laughs> Stranded. Hold on. What that, that's of- where you go for that story. Listen, yeah, yeah, but like, he's he he only to... in this situation because he got left in central London, yeah. Um, no, but he had himself. to drop me to my car yeah. because I, I couldn't leave my car in the middle yeah, of central yeah. London and my car was broken down. Yeah, but would it, you're meant to wait with your boys. That's just how it is. I know, but, you know, people get sleepy, you know, and, you know, like, unfortunately. <laughs> but, yeah, so basically, I get to, it's about four o'clock now and I had to write 2,000 words about why I want the job, yeah. And in that moment, I remember standing up here. Literally, I was sat in my kitchen. I was sat right here, actually. (laughs) I remember standing up. And I just had like a brainwave. And it was kind of like me talking to myself. And in a way, I don't know if people are religious, but in a way, I felt like it was kind of like it was God talking to me, saying, look, if you want this, you'll fill out these 2,000 words and you'll do it. If you don't, just get into bed and go to sleep. And you know what? I always say this. In life, you either want something or yeah. you don't. Do you know what? I, th- I think I might have been like, if they asked me at that point, like, why do you want to start? I'd be like, I'll just start typing out like, do you know what? Let me tell you a story about today. <laughs> yeah? And this is this will show how much I want it. <laughs> you know, the thing is, yeah, as well, I thought the story was going to take a different turn. When, you, when your car broke down, I thought you were just going to pull out your laptop, fill in the 300 words. And then... I wish I was, you know what? I wish I brought my, you know what? I, and you know, the weirdest thing is now I'm like that. Like now you won't believe it. I take my laptop everywhere with me. But um, yeah, so long story short, after telling that whole long story, there's also another bit attached to it. But long story short, I did the 2000 words. All of a sudden it hit 6am. Yeah. And I remember it's 6am. I've, I've done everything. I've done the 2000 words. Yeah. I'm proper proud of myself. And then I thought, you know what? Let me go back and read everything from the start. Went back. I like proofread everything. By the time I finished it, it was 8.30 in the morning. Hit submit. I'm not kidding. The second I hit submit, got a confirmation email. Thank you. We've got your application. Literally, within 20 seconds, my cousin phoned me. He's like, yo, what's happening? He goes, you ready for the cricket? 
He goes, I'm up. Let's go. And I was like, you know what? Had a shower, left for cricket. Oh, yeah, right there. Right there. I was scared you were going to say. I was scared you were going to say you missed the cricket. All lighter than that. That's awesome. No, right here, man. The point of my story is just like, you've got to literally like want it more than anything else in the world. I think, I think it's quite, it's a common theme with a lot of the kind of presenters we've had on the show, kind of perseverance um, in the industry is like really important. It sounds like it's something that you've, yeah, done really And well. you know what? A lot of people, thank you. <laughs> a lot of people also like, uh, one thing that I've been conscious of my whole life is age. Hmm. And, you know, I'm like, oh, well, you know, the older, you know, like a lot of people think, oh, the older you get, the harder it becomes. Life-wise, yes, because, you know, all of a sudden, like, if I get a wife and kids, I can't then dilly-dally around. Like, I've got to pay for the wife and kids, do you get me? Especially the kids. But um, <laughs> the point of it is, you know, I don't want no independent women coming after me like, we don't need you. <laughs> <laughs> but the point of it is, yeah, like also recently, I've met this guy called Joshua Harris, who's like a presenting coach. Absolutely amazing guy. And he actually turned around to me and he goes, do you know what? Age, in a weird way, is the biggest blessing when you try and do these creative jobs because of what they call, what he called life experience and journeys and stories. And he goes, someone who's 19, you know, they could blow on TikTok, but they won't have that depth of journey and like life stories and mm -hmm. experiences that i have does that make sense? character building exactly so if anybody that's listening that's a bit like oh i'm too old to do this you're guaranteed to have more life experience and knowledge and all of that than you know someone who's 18 19 where can people find your uh, your work how can they tune into like shows you're doing that now so all of my stuff, uh, my, my handle is the same across all platforms, which is RJ Presents on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat. Like it's all RJ Presents. Um, I do a radio show on Croydon FM every Wednesday, 12 till 2. So it's called Asian Beats. I play music with South Asian influences. So basically like Desi vibes. I also play hip hop, R&B, like play Drake and like all of that stuff as well. But the main part of my show is to try and champion new artists and new talent. So for, if anybody's listening and they, you know, they may know an artist that's like up and coming, um, that's like Desi or Brown, that doesn't mean you have to be like, you know, make Punjabi music, but like, um, for anybody that's, um, yeah, essentially like Desi Brown that's making music, um, feel free to send it to me via email and it's going to sound a bit horrible, but if it's good, you'll get played. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's cool. Uh, yeah. Hopefully we got, uh, yeah, got some people listening. Yeah. And even it, like you guys, if you come across any artists, music artists, and you think they're sick and you know, they yeah. need, um, you know, feel free to point them in my direction. And you know, the main thing is like, not to go on about, I've had a hard life, but I'm always out to try and help people. And I'm always out to try and like point people in the right directions. Because I also realize that one, bad conversation and one wrong direction can lead you down a whole different yeah. path. Do you get me? So yeah, like if anybody ever needs anything, feel free to shout at me anytime. Yeah. Sounds good. And the, the, I want to just 
mention the podcast as well. Is that podcast still like up and live? Can people listen to it? It's still up. Um, I have improved a lot since then, but yeah. So it's called RJ's Bollywood Beats, and that's on SoundCloud. And is that Bollywood music or Bollywood uh, films or both? Both, both. Yeah. So basically, I talk about the latest Bollywood films. I used to do this. Actually, there's some funny bits in there, which, to be honest, I can't even listen to anymore because I find it cringy. Because what I used to do, I used to like, I used to say a line from a Bollywood film, right? And then I'd be like, "Which film is that from?" And then like, you could actually win. I used to do. I used to give away meals at restaurants. Oh yeah. Wait, how did you how did you do that? Like gift vouchers kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So I'd I'd like. Um, it was an it was a good restaurant as well. It was in central it was in Soho. There's this place called Cut. Kati roll, which is basically, it's like a paratha wrapped in, um, but I had like a bit of a relationship with them. So I'd just be like, these people are coming down. Yeah. Um, give them a free meal. And then I used to pay for their meal. Oh, okay. Or sometimes they'd just like, oh, I paid for it initially. And then sometimes they'd just like, you know, because it was good advertising. Like yeah, yeah, I was yeah. kind of advertising them as well. So it worked hand in hand. Yeah. So I used to do free meals. And I mean, outside of all of this creative stuff, I also, like at uni, a lot of people don't know this, but I was president of the Hindu society. Oh, man. Yeah, and I used to organize like pujas and stuff like that. But then I also used to organize like trips to Thorpe Park and like stuff like that. It sounds busy. Done done a lot, a lot of stuff. Like at the beginning of the episode when you're like, you're saying that um, one thing and it's like you actually think about it and you've done like a lot more. Yeah, and so I used to be president of the Hindu Society, and then I became a part of what um, the national, so it's called NHSF, National Hindu Students Forum. So I used to travel around the whole country for different events and different like Hindu societies, giving them advice on how to have like how to run proper societies. And I actually ran one of the biggest garbas in the country. So I had. There's over a thousand people at Gerba, which me and one of my friends, we organized in London. What years were you on the NHSF? From 2012 to 20, I want to say like 16. Do you know anyone? As in, I went to Hindu Soccer Warwick. <laughs> so I was just like... Oh, like, yeah, sick. Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah I, was, uh, so I was part of NHSF. So yeah, Warwick was part of the... Yeah, it was one of the societies. But yeah, Warwick were a really good society. They were really good at comedy. If you ever played comedy, do you know what comedy is? Play, is that the rest? Is that the wrestling or similar to wrestling? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. A lot of broken bones. In comedy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, off the back of that, I then was a part of. So you know they do Diwali in Trafalgar Square. Basically, they have a huge Diwali celebration in Trafalgar Square. So I was on the committee for that as well. So I've helped organize. Um, oh shit, man! Celebration of yeah, there's about forty thousand. Yeah, people that's yes, <laughs> pretty big. Yeah, like I try and do as much like community stuff as well. So a couple of years ago, India's Prime Minister Modi came to Wembley Stadium, did a speech. I worked at that event as well. So yeah, I try and do stuff for the community as well as doing like all of my media stuff. And I try to balance my like community, you know, cultural, religious kind of side with my creative side as well. Seems bear goes on at Wembley, and I'm just hearing about it for the first time. <laughs> I live right there. <laughs> yeah, a lot goes on at Wembley, man. <laughs> I'm just like, what? Like that, that guy, the prime minister, came here, and I'm just like, I didn't know till now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, at least you don't have a broken knee. 
Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say like, <laughs> hope you're okay as well. By the way, <laughs> I, I saw as one story actually after you said yeah, that you have a broken leg, but I didn't see the bit where you were explaining the story. I only saw a picture of your leg in a oh, okay a brace. I don't know what happened to your leg. So what happened to your leg? Do you know what? I've all like I've done so much stupid, crazy things in my life. I literally slipped in my kitchen and landed on my knee, <laughs> and that was it. Game up. <laughs> and I I've, I've cracked my kneecap. So yeah, I've broken my kneecap. I I don't think I've ever broken anything. Neither had I. We probably broken our toe. Yeah, but breaking your toes like isn't that like you don't know like you could have, but yeah. But um, I've never done I've never done anything where I've had to go like hospital. Do you know what I mean? I swear you broke your arm at uni. <laughs> what the fuck are you on about? <laughs> yeah. Nothing was wrong. I just asked for a car, so I looked a bit badass. But <laughs> no, was and it? they gave it to you. Uh, this is this the truth? I, did, Wait, I didn't no, break my arm. Don't... I didn't break my arm, man. I didn't break my arm. You and they actually it. gave me the car. They, they were like, they put me in a sling and everything, but. I, I, it wasn't, bro- wait, it wasn't wait, broken. You, it wasn't broken. You were just trying to chirp some girls, innit? You were trying to get a yeah, like, love, little foot wintry. Do you know what I mean? Yo, babe, do you want us like some? Yeah. <laughs> wait, it wasn't even fractured. I don't think it was fractured either. To be honest, I think it, I think think it was literally this? like um, it hurt. It hurt. Yeah, it hurt. It was off in a week, mate. It wasn't like uh, yeah, it wasn't deep. Perfect. You say that. Do you know what actually happened? You know, like NHSF have those sports competitions. One of my friends was playing football and he ripped three ligaments and it happened in Birmingham and they're like, we need to take him to hospital. I was like, nah, listen, there's no way I'm letting him go to a hospital in Birmingham. I was like, I'm going to put him on the coach here and I'll take him to a hospital in like, yeah. And they're like, that's really bad man of you. Like, how are you going to make him? Like, and I was like, listen, I ain't, he goes, if, the whole coach ain't going to wait for him. Yeah. <laughs> And I was like, I ain't getting stuck in Birmingham yeah. because we'll have to find a way back to London. I think, I think, um, actually Hamish, I think on my side it was, so we played a football match, computer science versus like, I forgot what society it was. I think it might have been South Korea, South Korea society, South Korean society. And I, we like, <laughs> they like somebody slide tackled, somebody slide tackled me, I fell on my arm. And at the, to be fair, at the, to be fair, at the time it wasn't like, I didn't feel it that much pain or whatever. Like obviously it felt badly, but when I got home, it like really hurt. And I don't know if you heard the story about yeah. it. Like Anna, my housemates, RJ were like, "No, no, I know the story. This is this is what I was gonna bring yeah, up." Yeah, there's this whole like a fuffle over like getting me to A and E, like because I needed there was something there was something I was missing that I needed to get from someone and pick up. Oh, with the car keys to like the car or something, and she was in a club like on campus, or yeah. somebody was, and it was it was a massive like big story. So I think when it got to the hospital, they were like, you know what, you're fine. It was kind of like, do you know what? I can't like just leave here when they, everyone's like made such a big deal to get me to A&E without like it being the, without like coming out in a car. Like I need to come out in a car. Do you know what I mean? It needs to look like kind of bad. So uh, (laughs) I think I was, but it did hurt. It did hurt though. It did hurt. I wasn't like faking the pain. It did hurt. No, no. I assume you were faking the pain, but this cast business, this is the, because this is the first time I'm hearing the, about the there cost, it wasn't yeah, we, actually broken. We might need to cut this out of the episode. I'm like, we might need to cut that bit out. Because <laughs> 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 I remember Jitten and them lot drove yeah, me up. Yeah. I assume he waited at A&E. No, no, he didn't. No, no, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't. How many hours was that way? It was, it was quite know. a long way. It was enough for me to like not want to come out with nothing. Do you know what I mean? But it was, it was, a, nice, it was a nice evening, you know, we spent. It was a nice night. Do you know what I mean? We bonded. Frozen peas, my friend. Just frozen yeah. peas. <laughs> 
Yeah, what well, so have you got a broken leg now? Yeah, literally. Yeah, yeah. a real one, Aaron. Yeah, yeah, a legit legitimate <laughs> one. How long are you gonna be like in the, the castle? Um I've got an assessment this week. Um because at A and E they just literally put this on me and they're like, Yeah, we're gonna send you for like a, a proper assessment and then when I go to the proper assessment, that's when I'll find out like further steps. But at the moment, I have no idea. But she said to me, she goes, It's it is broken, but she goes, It's not like bad enough that you need an operation or anything crazy right. like that. But yeah, it is broken. Well hope hopefully that uh gets better soon. Fingers yeah. crossed. Hopefully. But awesome, yeah. I th- I think we're like coming up to the end of the episode. Yeah, so how we how we end off uh end off each episode is like with some final questions, a call out and then a shout out. So final questions we'll go for it. Uh first one for you is what would be your advice if you had one piece of advice to give to like a younger a younger RJ? The biggest piece of advice is don't ever listen to anybody who says fake it to make it. Just work hard, get good at what you do and just grasp every single opportunity. So I think I did grasp every single opportunity, but I think this whole fake it to make it thing is just so dead. It's unbelievable. And yeah, so just try and focus at becoming the best at what you do. Um, is the most important thing. The second question is, what would be the title of your autobiography? Do you know what? I had a really good answer for this. I've literally just slipped my mind. Oh, God. Oh, yeah, I got it. I have my own saying, which is like my own quote. And so I'd probably, I don't know if it's too long. Go for it, go for it. But anything that doesn't benefit you is only harming you. Anything that isn't benefiting you is only harming you. I'm trying to think of something that like disproves it, but even if you look at it, like sometimes, but it depends on how you take it. Cause sometimes working too hard doesn't benefit you. So taking a break can benefit yeah. you. So anything that isn't benefiting you is harming you. That is probably a long book title. I'm not going to lie. That is, <laughs> but, is yeah. but I'm sure it, I'm sure it'd be a bestseller, an Amazon bestseller. Man. Or I did I, years ago when I first started, I didn't even mention this, but I used to do this thing on YouTube. Uh, so I had my own yeah. like, YouTube show and it was called The Journey to Success. So that would probably be my title as well. Type in The Journey to Success and that was under my old... Um, so before I used RJ Presents, I used to go by Rajan J, R-A-J-E-N-J. I interviewed Punjabi Hitsquad, Navin Kundra. Yeah, just quickly, like is um presenting, you do like radio, but is like kind of tv presenting or like on youtube like video wise is that something you'd be open to or want to do yes 100 percent. so my my dream of, i'm putting it out there yeah my dream is ultimately to replicate graham norton's life i want to have my own tv show and i want to have my own um, radio show does he have a radio show yeah he has a radio show on radio 2 for and eurovision as well I could do it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Okay, no, that's cool. That's cool. God willing, everything works out. Like, yeah, I'd love to do something yeah. like that. Watch this space. Third and final question. So this is actually a question we ask every guest. And that is, what has been your most memorable third wheeling experience? I've got, got a great quick story to this. So at my, he's looking at me like, <laughs> it's not a good story. <laughs> <laughs> No, basically, um, 
I, my best story to this is 2019, my best friend got married. I was the best man and groom ring bearer. And at the wedding, at the registry, sorry, I got a little bit nervous in it because I'm like, oh, I've got this big, like, you know, responsibility. I've got to bring the ring and all of that. So then he was like, do you take blah, blah, blah? Do you take? And they went, and they went, I do, I do. And they went, who's got the ring? And I went, I do. <laughs> <laughs> and my friend's like, you always have to try and get your limelight in there. He goes, you always have to try and be the center of attention. Even on my wedding, he goes, you had to steal the center of attention. <laughs> but you know what it was? I just got so yeah. nervous that when they went, I do, I do. They were like, who's got the ring? I was like, I so do. just be like, you guys asked, man. You guys asked who had the ring. I was just answering. <laughs> That's actually quite funny. I'm like, oh, no, I'm scared. If that yeah. ever, if I'm ever in that situation, that might just like, now I've got that in my head that might accidentally like come out. That's a funny one. That's a funny one. The next bit is a nomination, so could you choose one or many people to hopefully be nominated to come on as a guest in the future? Okay, so I think the best person who's been like, I've only recently met them, but they've been such a huge impact in my life in recent times is this guy called Joshua Harris. And he's like a presenter coach. So for anybody that wants to become like a presenter, or like, you know, creative strategies and all of that. He is the guy, but also he's got crazy mad stories. And like, yeah, he's like, I only met him like this year, but I feel like I've known him my whole life. Like, yeah, maybe, maybe he can give us some, uh, some coaching of our podcast presenting. You know? <laughs> yes, yeah, see, see, see what he thinks. But yeah, we'll, we'll get in touch and see, uh, see what he thinks. Yeah, awesome. Last bit of shout out. So basically anything like plug, promote, give a shout out to we'll put like the links to it in the description so yeah rj anything yeah every wednesday make sure you check out my show asian beats on croydon fm 12 to 2 and from january i will be on bbc asian network every sunday from 9 to 11 p.m as a part of the bbc asian network represents program so yeah make sure you tune in for all of that and make sure you follow me on all social media at rj presents Awesome. You had the intro and the outro, like both, both on lock, both smooth. I know what, I'm just, I'm just, this is my daily yeah. life. And it's, yeah. <laughs> don't ask me to do it again because I will mess up. No, that's no, fine. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to shout out. Yeah. yeah I'll, sh- I'll shout out Priya and Amber, both, both of their episodes being presenters and from, from like an Asian background. So yeah, shout shout out to them. I'll put their links to their episodes with us in the, in the description and Hamish. Yes, sweet. I'll shout out Ways by Avelino and SL and Bolo by Dappy and Abracadabra. I haven't heard it yet, but I will be listening to it by the time this episode comes out. So go check it out. I'm sure they're bangers. Like, I don't need to listen to them to know the bangers. So yeah, those are my shouts. Thank, thanks, thanks, RJ. Thanks, RJ, for uh, coming on. No, thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Take care, yeah? And on that note, yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> I hope you're having a good day. I hope you're enjoying the British summer for those of you here in the UK. And yeah, sweet. Have a good day. Bye. See you, everyone. Bye. The studio is my second home. That's why I have it in my bedroom. I really do this all on my own. The shark quarry and my brother home. He was here from the day one. I'm not gonna lie, he's a real one. In my team, there are no fake ones.